lot of hometown folks today. Welcome home. And now I'd like to introduce to you, it's my pleasure to introduce you, Pastor Canyon. He has been a uh, pastor for 38 years, started out over at Nixon, went to University Park Baptist Church, and um, ended up in Carn City for a few years, and uh, at several other churches, and has a, a long ministry. And it's our pleasure today that he's here with his wife. And um, come on up, Pastor Kenyon. Thank you. Glad they got the candle lit. I did one marriage where they couldn't get the unity candle lit. Tried and tried and tried and couldn't get it lit. They got divorced two years later. You gotta light those candles. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter one, verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call, give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let me pray for a moment. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for uh, the power that it has to instill in us change. Father, I ask that you would uh, glorify yourself in all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. I think I'm supposed to preach now. A couple things that uh, weren't in the resume. While I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, my family is from Smiley. If the name is Canyon, they come out of five brothers, my grandfather being one, that uh, were born in Smiley. My dad was born in Smiley. Now that is an interesting distinction because there's not much there. So uh, we come from there. Now my grandmother, kept about 20 head of cows until she was 98. She never drove. She got anything delivered that she needed. She had a neighbor pick the calves up, take them to market, but she kept those. One day, my great uncle, Uncle B. Canyon, called and said, Ola, that bull you got is too small for those big Bramer cows. I know somebody who's got a bull for sale. 
I'm going to sell yours and then go get that bull. She said, okay. And uh, so he got the bull, sold it. She waited, waited. Finally, she called and said, B, where's my bull? She said, well, that guy sold it to somebody else. I'm still looking. She said, what am I going to do for calves? i got to have a bull. But my grandmother was a woman who spent most of her day praying somehow. I went one day and I saw the five acres next to the house was clear of the weeds. I said, do you have somebody come in and rode a cycle? She said, no, I pulled them. Pull weeds and pray. So she got to praying for a bull. One day, a bull came walking down the road. Got to her drive, turned in, walked up to the gate. She went out, looked the bull over, opened the gate. The bull went into the pasture. She says, That's Deason's bull. So she called Mr. Deason and said, Mr. Deason, your bull's up here in my pasture. He said, well, Miss Kenyon, I'm building a bunch of chicken coops over in Cuero. Uh, it'll be a while before I can get to pick that bull up. She says, do you mind if he services my cows while he's here? And she had her calf crop that year. <laughs> well... I'm going to jump off a little bit where I go from. I'm going to talk about a star that leads to change. We see the wise men coming. And they are following a star. And they're looking for a king that is born. Now, you have to go all the way over to Numbers to find out anything about that king that's to be born. But uh, let me just pick up a, a little bit there. It's in the fourth oracle of uh, Balaam. And he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel and he will crush the head of Moab, the skulls of all the sons of Seth. That is where the star comes from. That lead these people who come from the same place that Naboth came from. Now I've decided that if a donkey can talk, a bull can listen. <laughs> but what I want to say is answer, praying and expecting an answer. Israel prayed for centuries for the Messiah that was to come. Looking for this king that was to be born. They prayed and searched and waited and maybe they got to the place where they thought, well, maybe he's not coming. Because the interesting thing is, after the wise men left the palace, nobody followed to see 
this event. It's just the wise men that show up at the house. It's just the wise men that come and worship this child. There were no priests who came. There were no scholars who came. There were no Bible instructors who came. Although they all knew what it said, when it was asked, well, where is he born? They just said, hey, this is not hard to find. O you, Bethlehem, though you are little, out of you shall come in the city of David. They knew where to send these wise men, but no one followed. See, when you seek, you find. Praying is an important thing that we all ought to be involved in, but when we pray, we ought to expect to receive an answer. I know how it is. I tried to move my last church into prayer, the importance of prayer. And we did a great job of learning prayer at uh, University Park. We studied prayer. We learned prayer. We had a prayer meeting on Wednesday, and it wasn't a time for the, for the pastor to have another Bible message. We gathered around, and we didn't have uh, the usual long list that's on there. Uh, I was in the hospital earlier this year, and Carn uh, City was, my daughter asked Carn City to pray for me. My name's still on the list. I told them I'm fine. <laughs> they, you know, the list never gets changed. Once you're there, you're there. But we didn't. We, we showed up one Wednesday night, and they said, "Where's the bulletin?" I said, "We don't have one. Why don't we have one? We don't need one." You got a piece of paper, and we would go through things. And somebody says, "You know, my my aunt is suffering right now, and I'd like us to pray for her." I said, "Okay, here's a chair in the middle. Get in there, sit down." And we place hands on that person and pray for the aunt as though we were laying hands on her aunt. We expected to receive and see answers to prayer. Most of the time, we pray something like this. Well, Lord, bless Aunt Susie. Well, if he leaves her alive, he's blessed her. If he takes her home, he's blessed her. But... Here is a nation who was praying but not expecting to receive. And so they stayed home. They missed it. They didn't get anything out of the reality of what God was doing. So seeking and finding when we pray seeing and believing. When the wise men came and they saw, they believed. They were believing something that they had heard through oral tradition for centuries. Naboth went back to the Euphrates Valley and I'm sure when he got there, they say, hey, what took place? You went over there to bless him. And he said, well, no, I couldn't bless him. I, I couldn't curse him. I had to bless him. 
And he repeated those things that God had put in his heart and mind. I see, but not yet. I expect, but I see the star. So when the star appeared, they had no problem understanding what it meant. They had no, no problem whatsoever. Israel had those same verses and those same record of what had taken place. But what, what had they done? Nothing. The star is there. Do they see it? Do they not believe? Seeing is believing sometimes. You know, for years, while we were out there in Phoenix taking care of my dad, but even before that, every time we'd go to Phoenix for a visit, I would go to a Wednesday morning men's Bible study. Interesting group of guys. A uh, OB Jen, who was retired, an Air Force general who was retired, a PhD who had been in a school administrator and retired, three attorneys, that makes things interesting. Me, a retired pastor, finally. We even had a uh, Church Christ pastor who came until he changed churches. We got along just fine except when we got to one or two passages. But um, we get together and we read scripture and we discuss it and we talk about what it means. And uh, every Wednesday morning, I get my computer out, turn it on, and I hit FaceTime on it, and I still go to that Bible study. And they go there with a the computer and they turn one on, and we have interesting conversations about God's Word. But see, when I say seeing is believing, we need to see some things. One of the things that they said, one day we just got off track. One guy says, you know, I was looking on Facebook. And that's a dangerous thing, by the way. But I was looking on Facebook. I don't do Facebook anymore. I quit. When uh, I used to have a, be friends with the guy that was pastor before me in San Antonio. He had been a retired, and he retired uh, foreign missionary. And Christmas time came, and he said, "Well, it's time for the birth myth." And I said, "What?" And then he went on and says, "I don't understand people with red letter Bibles. There was nobody there with a pen and pencil writing down what Jesus had to say." And I thought it didn't need to. And so that was the last time I was on Facebook. I said, that's out there. Not much you can do about it. But anyway, says I was looking there and somebody said that Jesus was actually black. And somebody else says, no, no. Well, he was, he was a Jew. 
and a prophecy about uh, talking about the, the, the calf of a red-headed heifer. I have a friend who thought Mary probably had red hair, but um, could have had red hair. I'm sure he wasn't blonde and blue-eyed. And they talked about this, that, and the other thing, and I said, I know exactly what he looks like. And they stopped. They said, what? I said, he looks exactly like me hanging on that cross. When you see that, you believe. There, every person in here ought to have a time and place, whether it's recorded or not, whether you know the exact date or not. I don't know the exact date, but I know the place I was when I finally received Jesus Christ. Now, I was raised, I mean, from this high in a Baptist church. I got baptized when I was 12 years old. I wasn't saved, but I could answer the questions. That's all it takes, you know. You come down and see the pastor. He says, you believe Jesus Christ died for sins? Yeah, oh yeah, died for all sins. You believe you're a sinner? I absolutely knew that. Okay, you're baptized. And so, you know, but that wasn't it. I married a Christian woman and joined the Air Force, and we went to church, joined a church, uh, went to church unless I could find an excuse to not go to church. And by the way, those are easy to find. But after our second daughter, child was born, our daughter, I uh, said, Lord, I need some help trying to raise these kids. And we started back to church. And not only did we go to church, we had a revival. And I went back Sunday night and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And Lord got a hold of me. And I said, if I've never accepted you, I do now. You know, it's not what you say. We talk about the sinner's prayer. And I could lead you in the sinner's prayer, but that's not what takes place. Salvation comes from Jesus Christ at the very instant you decide that you want him. Not in the baptistry, not anywhere other than the moment you say, I see and believe. Like I say, for me, it's kind of, I see myself hanging on that cross as he died for my sins. So what does it take? Third, I, I see speaking and finding. Speaking and finding. For that, I like to look at Romans chapter 10. I'm sure half of the people, if not all the people, are fairly familiar with that little verse that says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe 
and are justified. And it is with the mouth that you confess and are saved. Heart you believe, mouth you confess. The general one Wednesday sat there and said, you know, I, I, I can't tell you when it was. The attorney, he, he can tell you that on April 7th, 1983, he lay on his bed coming out of a drunken stupor and said, God saved me. That was enough. The general says, I, I don't have a date. I don't have a date. And I said, is Jesus Christ your Lord? He said, yes. Do you believe that he rose from the dead? He said, yes. I said, you just said yes. You confessed. You're saved. He said, but sometimes I don't feel like it. I said, neither do I. You know, when you hit your thumb with a hammer, you can lose your salvation pretty quick. <laughs> Particularly if you're Church of Christ. <laughs> so, this reality of speaking and finding we gather here on Christmas Eve. It's another celebration. I love Christmas. I love the lights. I love the decorations. I love the presents and the, all that kind of stuff. But I love most the reality that God sent his son to this world in the form of a baby. Don't you just love looking at babies' faces? I mean, I have hundreds of newborns I've looked at, held, and so on forth as pastor. They're so marvelous. And yet then you count their little fingers, count their little toes. When our son was born in a Navy hospital, lieutenant commander, nurse came in, in the ward, passing out the babies and said, they're wrapped and swaddled, don't unwrap them. They've got all their toes and fingers. <laughs> she walked out, and all the mothers unwrapped the kids and counted the toes and fingers. But, you know, babies. God came into this world to live with us, to walk with us, in order to know us and us know him. Disciples ask, they wanted to see God, and Jesus says, you've seen me. The exact representation, and all you have to do is believe. I, I don't know. I always had the idea in every church I pastored, regardless of the size or the number that was there, there probably were Baptists, church members, who were not saved. I had one lady, she was a senior lady, 
taught our senior, uh, senior ladies Sunday school class. And then the discipleship class, we had to write out our testimony, how we came to know Jesus Christ. And she says, I don't have one. I said, well, when, what was it? I've just always been a Christian. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I was born and I was in Baptist cradle roll and I've always been here and I've always been a Christian and I don't have a time. And I tried my best to say, you need to at least come to an idea of when I was 12, when I was six, when I, you know, at a time. For me, it was about 23 years of age. But something, I came to know Jesus Christ because for my attorney friend, it was because he had spent his life in a drunken stupor most of the time, did his work, came home, get drunk. But he came to the bottom of the barrel and said, God help me. Sometime, somewhere, I challenge you that if you can't say I accepted Jesus Christ when? That you might want to say, on New Year's Eve, I mean on Christmas Eve, 2023, I accepted the greatest Christmas present of all, eternal salvation from Jesus Christ. You know, that's it. You have to accept it. Some people don't quite understand. When Jesus died, he died for all the sins of everybody in the world. Even Hitler. But it's a gift you have to receive. And if you don't receive it, what good is it? Can you imagine getting the winning lottery ticket? and then just sticking it on your refrigerator? Can you just imagine, you know, okay, I, I won, I won. But you have to do something to receive it. Salvation is a gift that you must receive. That's all you have to do. But it comes when you seek when you see and when you speak. Where were the people who had prayed and prayed and prayed? Nestled in their homes, not thinking a thing about the reality of the events of one night when Jesus was born. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word and to present your word. I pray that if there's anyone here who has never come to that place of saying, I want Jesus, I pray that you would touch their lives.
and bring them forward. Father, I ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm going to have somebody stand down here. And if there's a decision that you'd like to make, or I always like to say if there's a prayer request that you'd like to present, or maybe you would like to have someone pray for you, there's nothing quite like being able to come and kneel here and pray and have somebody pray with you. We used to do that when I, in our church in uh, Phoenix. And the pastor would go and kneel and pray, and I would pray for him before he preached. But uh, people would come and pray, and someone would kneel and pray with them. You don't need to share a lot, but if there's something on your heart, this is your time.